Good morning. Really looking forward to sharing my message today. As I prepared for this morning, I prayed with an open heart to those who would be here this morning looking for a new beginning, hoping for a word for a fresh start. I know that someone walked in this morning perhaps struggling with something in their life, or someone walked in this morning knowing that there needs to be some kind of change in their life, and they're wanting and looking for answers. And my prayer that today is that you're going to hear a wonderful, wonderful message that you can begin again. That when you got up this morning, God was already up before you ever got out of bed and said, what are we going to do with our life today? What are we going to do with your life? God is this creative, patient, loving, grace-filled God. And this God will wipe away the past and give you a new future and a new hope if you will lean in and welcome that love into your life this morning. I'm going to share a passage as we begin this morning. We're talking about choices, about how we choose our future story. The choices we make today will determine our future story. And I know that uh, God wants to help you make good choices But I want to read to you from Paul the Apostle. Paul wrote a great deal of the New Testament. He wrote most of the epistles. He wrote Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians. Wrote many of the, the letters of the New Testament. Paul is a really disciplined person. But Paul here shares a very private moment, a very open and confessional moment. And I, I love this about Paul because I think that we have a tendency to lift up biblical people as heroes and we don't see what's inside but I think when you hear what Paul is talking about you will connect with the trouble he has making good choices he writes these words then in Romans chapter 7 verse 15 I'm just going to share a portion of it Paul says I don't really understand myself for I want to do what is right but I don't do it Instead, I do what I hate. Does he have your attention now? Anybody relate to that? Yeah. Everybody think of the right thing to say in a moment, but then in the moment you say the thing you didn't want to say? Any married man in the room understands the truth of that statement. (laughs) And he says, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. He's talking about the struggle that's inside all of us, the struggle between making good choices and making poor choices. And even though we know the good thing to do, we often don't choose it. It is, it is just the truth of who we are as people. Now get this. This is a really disciplined person saying this. Paul was one of the most disciplined people that's ever lived, rigidly disciplined, and he wasn't just a slacker. He he was a person that really tried hard, and even he struggled to do the right thing. And so he makes this really powerful statement of the truth of who he is, and he says, oh, what a miserable person I am. 
oh, how miserable I am that I really can't change. I want to change, but I can't. Oh, how weak I am. Oh, how much I struggle. Who's going to free me? Who's going to set me free? Who's going to help me make good choices? Free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death or bad choices or weakness or failure or anything you could add to that list. And then he gives the answer. And here, right here, this is why some of you came this morning. Listen to the gospel in just a few words. He says, thank God, thank God, the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. The answer is in Jesus. That's how I'm going to be able to overcome this. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, because of my weakness, because of my failure, because of my fear, anything you can put in there, sinful nature, the struggle within us between light and darkness, good and evil, it's all within us. I am a slave to sin. May God bless us with the reading of God's word this morning. I want to talk to you this morning about choices that we make and how our choices ultimately reflect our character. Albert Camus was a French novelist, and Albert Camus said many, many years ago, he said that life is the sum of our choices. Aristotle, who was a Greek philosopher, who was a student of Plato, said something very similar. He said that we are the sum of our actions, and therefore our habits make all the difference. You know, it's the choices we make. It's how we respond to different things in our life, the habits that we have daily, the way we get up and show up every day in life, reveal our character. And the choices we make shape our character. Theodore Roosevelt, an American president, said this, and it couldn't be more true. He says, if you could kick the person in the pants responsible for most of your trouble, you wouldn't be able to sit for a month. I love that quote. Blaming other people for our circumstances. Even when they are temporarily, are, are, are partly responsible or permanently responsible. Blaming other people for our situation in life, even if they're responsible or partly responsible, takes away our power because it makes us victims. No matter what someone does to us, no matter what life does to us, we ultimately do have the freedom to choose. And that's where the power comes in our life. How do we respond to what has happened to us? And so people in life who are successful, people in life who change and grow and evolve to be the people that God wants them to be, are people who will look in their situation and assume responsibility for it. I want to ask you this morning, when you look at your life and where you are today, what in your situation and your circumstance do you need to own? I'm a passionate guy. Passion is good. It's not, it's good, not good to be not passionate if you're a speaker. Welcome to Middletown Christian Church. You've heard, right? But passion without discipline is unfocused. And I have impulsivity. I'm an impulsive person. 
I have a path that I want to go down in life and I make choices and decisions about where I want to go and I'm really committed to it until I see something new and then I'm going another direction. I have to own that. It's been a hindrance in my life and who I want to be as a person. What I've discovered is that generally we want to fall into one of four categories, sometimes at different times in our life. Some people are historians. You know what a historian is? It was better back then. I liked it better back then. Uh, my friends were better back then. My church was better than back then. They just live in the past. They want to hold on to the hurt. They just want to keep looking backward, not looking forward. They never face their choices. Some people are blamers. I'm not where I'm supposed to be because somebody else is responsible. My boss, my job, my wife, my son, my daughter, my mom, my health, blaming anyone and everyone. Some people are can kickers. You know what a can kicker is? Kick it on down the road, not going to deal with it. Just keep kicking it on down the road, hoping it will go away. Just going to keep on kicking it until one day it's bigger than life. We just avoid it. We push it off to the fourth quarter of life when there's two minutes left in the game, and then we got two minutes to score three touchdowns. And then some people I meet are Eeyores. You know what an Eeyore is? Eeyore is a character from Winnie the Pooh, a gray, stuffed animal, sad, dark, gloomy. It could be worse, not sure how. But it could be. You see, ordinary people, you know what ordinary people do? They, they, they run away from trouble. Ordinary people avoid trouble. Ordinary people push it off on other people. They do their best to avoid it. But you know what successful people do? Successful people know that they're at their best in tough situations. They know that in their troubled times, they find opportunities in the midst of the obstacles. They accept responsibility for their lives, and they own what they need to own. And then they turn failures and setbacks and heartbreaks and disappointments to work for their advantage. You know, it's okay to be discouraged. It's okay to be defeated. But it's not okay to give up and to surrender and to be a victim. I, I discovered a phrase within the last couple of weeks from some reading I've been doing. And it is a Latin phrase, amora. Fatai. Amora means love. Fatai means fate. Love your fate. What that means is that whatever comes to us in life, we are to embrace it. We are to accept it. And we are to look for the good in the midst of it. We are to be cheerful in all situations, to look for the opportunities, to embrace everything that happens to us in life as not good or bad, but to embrace it as an opportunity and to face it with courage and to know that as we face down the hard things in our life, it puts steel in our spine and gives us a great gift of stamina and fortitude. Well, that's a great word, fortitude and courage. Look at this word. When it comes to our choices, what is the word missing? I, you, me. So this comes down to Paul then. Let's, let's go back to Paul before we transition. Paul then says in his letter, 
it's, it's, it's such an encouraging thing because we know if Paul struggles with this that we must, be, we must be normal people. It's encouraging. So we can admit that we have a hard time with all this. I know what it's like. You walk in the church on Sunday morning and you walk out, you've heard an enthusiastic speech, inspired speech. You're inspired to make changes. You're going to walk out and face the trouble. You're going to walk out and face the difficult until you get down and you walk down into the middle of it. It's easier to face the mess from outside the mess than it is to walk through the mess because you get the mess on your shoes and it's not easy to get off, right? So you walk in the middle of the mess and then soon you get discouraged. The bright idea doesn't sound as strong anymore and you want to do the right thing, but you can't. That's why Paul is so helpful to us. Paul was disciplined, yet Paul struggled. And there's no reason that we should be ashamed of admitting our struggle, whether you're really disciplined or very undisciplined, to ask Christ for help. And the best line that I, that I can think of, uh, summing up Paul's words, is to tell you this, is if you were to write this down, how much it would help you to say that the Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. Do you hear what the good news in that is? Is that Jesus Christ, he's not a coach standing outside your life giving you directions. That when Jesus Christ enters your life as your Lord and Savior, when you say, Lord, I need help. Oh, what a miserable man I am. I can't change my life. I need your help. I need your direction. It's more than just willing. It's, it's, it's your spirit in me. He sets up housekeeping inside of you. He doesn't just move into the house with you. He moves into your life with you. He moves into your heart with you. That's why we can say the old is gone. The new has come. I'm a new person. I'm a new creation. Because the Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires me so hold on to that because here's where the rubber hits the road and we're talking about making choices now I know you know this but let me just say this 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 is true you know this there is pain in life Jesus said in John 16 33 that in this world we will have trouble sorrow and heartbreak we know that's true And much of the pain in our life is not the pain of our choosing. We didn't choose it. I'm sitting at the stoplight. I'm hit from the rear end. Someone's looking at their phone. I'm in a neck brace for six months. You go to the doctor. They find a spot on your x-ray. They determine it's malignant. Nobody would choose that. You lose your job because the economy has gone in the wrong direction. There's a downturn in the economy. And you're now looking for another job and you're without work for six months and you're wondering how you're going to pay your mortgage. The person that you love walks into your house and says, I don't love you anymore, I have chosen another. And you found out there's been an affair going on for a long time and you didn't even see it coming. There's a lot of trouble in life we would never choose. If we had the choice, we'd say, no, thank you. But that's not the kind of trouble and pain I'm talking about. I'm talking about a pain that we have a choice over. And we get to choose between two types of pain. We get to choose between the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. Let me explain to you what I mean by that. You see, the pain of studying now or the pain of retaking the class later. 
uh, the pain of exercising now and eating healthy now or the pain of being in poor health later. Uh, the pain of saying no to temptation now or the pain of the consequences later. The pain of living within our means now or the pain of having debt that's out of control and being overwhelmed by it and having my choices limited and being one paycheck away from losing everything. Like Dave Ramsey says, if you will live like no one else now, later you can live like no one else. Let me make it personal. I want to tell you why I really moved to Kentucky. And this may surprise you. You may have thought it was something as noble as God called me. You thought I was being called to something. I was actually running away from something. I'd gone to the doctor and had an MRI, and I was diagnosed with a fatty donut brain. I had a donut addiction. And I, I didn't come here because I wanted to follow the leading of the Lord. I came here to get away from donuts. You, you know, you don't know, you're laughing, you don't understand how serious this problem really is. Because you, you, you see, in Texas, there is one donut shop per 5,000 residents. In Kentucky, it's one donut shop per 25,000 residents. And, Don and Dunkin' Donuts doesn't count. Excuse me if you work there, it doesn't. It's, it's, it's manufactured corporate donuts. I'm talking about a donuts on every corner in Texas that are made by a mom and pop in their 50s who get up at 2 in the morning and make donuts and take donut holes and inject them with jelly. I'm talking about you walk into the donut shop and all it says on the outside of the store is donuts and you know there's been a couple of people in there working all night to make them. You walk in, there's powder on the counter, there's flour in their hair and they put the donut in a white paper bag, they heat it for you and there's grease all over the bag. It is awesome. <laughs> but it gets worse. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of a kolache. Oh, yeah, some of you have. Yeah, some of you have. Do you know what it is? It is God's gift to the universe. Okay? You know what a kolache is? It involves three of the best things ever made. Donuts, sausage, and cheese. You put a hole in the donut, you put the sausage inside, then you wrap it in cheese. The only time you can get anything like that is once a year at the state fair. But they serve these every day and they heat it up and give it to you in a bag. It's awesome. Now, you need to understand that this donut thing is, um, it's a genetic disposition. My son has it too. Any of you, you know, I want to tell the youth, you know why you don't have donuts downstairs anymore? Blame my son. The donuts cost $50 a week that we were paying for the donuts, but my son is a donut fiend. He was eating $25 of the donuts of the 50, and Sherry Moak started invoicing me on my paycheck. <laughs> my victory is I had a donut in about eight years, okay? But everybody has a kolache moment. You know what a kolache moment is? It's when you look at something that you think you want now, but are you going to regret it later? 
taste good now, but not later. You, you see, when you think about your life in between the pain of regret and the pain of discipline, really, really it comes down to this. This is my definition of discipline. Discipline, I love this definition. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. The people who change the world are not the passionate people. It's the disciplined, hardworking people who hustle and give their best. Who decide what they want and delay gratification. Let me say this for you parents, if you're parents. Give your children your unconditional love, but don't give to them unconditionally. Make them earn things. Don't give them the participation trophy just for showing up. Make them feel good about themselves. Love them all the way. But if you don't teach them to delay gratification, you're not teaching them how to be a successful person in this world. You want your kids to get ahead, teach them personal responsibility and teach them how to delay gratification. And I know it's easier. I know it's easier when they're crying and they want something to give them what they want. But it's just like the example. The pain of discipline now or the regret later because you gave them what they wanted. So let me ask you a question. This is the big question. What do you want most? Healthy life, physical fitness, stronger marriage, paying off your credit cards, paying off your student loans, finishing your degree, getting closer to God. What do you want? Now let me say this to you. As you, as you think about that question, I really want you to think about it. Really, really spend some time. Ask God to, an to answer that question for you because we are so confused about what we want and what we need. Sometimes what we want and what we need are not the same things. And the world will tell you all the things that you can want that aren't good for you. But God will never steer you wrong. And if you read his word every day and you spend time in the word, God will help you direct what's most important. That's the reason why. Because every day the media is pumping unhealthy stuff into you. So ask the question. Read scripture. It will help you direct your choices. What do you want? And pick one thing, not a multiple things. Because to pick everything is to pick nothing, really. Right? Here's the second question then. What do you need to choose now to achieve what you want most? So maybe you want a better marriage. Maybe that means bringing someone in to help you have a better marriage. Therapist. I don't know. Maybe it means just setting up a date night. That doesn't sound like too much pain of discipline, doesn't that sound like fun? Better than regretting not having having. What do you need to do to grow closer to God? What kind of discipline do you need to have now in your life so that you'll have what you want later so you won't regret? So you're not in the fourth quarter of your life in the two-minute warning trying to make up for lost time in your relationship with God at the end of your life. What do you want to do now to make your life better and stronger in your relationship with God? Maybe it means reading the Bible daily. Maybe it means getting in a small group. Maybe it means coming to worship more consistently so that you hear a counter- cultural message on Sunday that will interact with other things you hear in the world, maybe. Maybe it means for you, if you want to get out of debt, going to our Dave Ramsey financial peace class we'll be offering in February, going for eight sessions and getting some basic principles about how to get yourself out of debt. 
I love what Theodore Roosevelt said. Theodore Roosevelt, my hero right now, said that on effort, he said, nothing in this world is worth having, worth doing, unless it means effort, pain, difficulty. So let me, let me end with two things. It's, it's not easy. But that's where we fall back on what Paul said. Like Paul, I want to do the right thing, but I can't. So this is where the relationship with God is, is real because we invite him into the struggle. We, we talk to him, God, Jesus, this is what I want. This is what you want for me. Will you help me? Today I, I took a step forward. Today I took a step back. He is, he is totally invested in your redemption and your future. Woohoo! That's good. The second thing is, is not only should you have Christ on your side, you need one another on your side. That's what the church is for. We need to be here cheering for each other. There's this great image in Hebrews where it talks about how we're running our race the way Jesus ran his race, and there are all these people cheering for us. I think that the reason a lot of people, a lot of people don't open up and share what's important to them is because they're afraid the church will be a shaming place rather than a cheering place. Let us be a cheering place and not a shaming place. Let's talk about the things that really are important to us rather than the things that are trivial and unimportant. Let me give you an example. I'll use a running example, running metaphor. The guy to the left of me has suffered from a chronic lung disease. Life has changed. He's um, chief operating officer for Baptist Hospital in uh, Elizabethtown. The other guy on the left is sitting right in the middle of the sanctuary on the other side. Raise your hand, Pat. Pat, two weeks ago, um, on mile 25 at a marathon, fell and hit his head, cracked his skull, but he's nothing really changed for him after he hit his head, but um, it's just the way he is. Pat will tell, tell you his own story about how he got into running. The tallest guy in the group, cancer survivor. But what's the common link between all three? The guy in the middle with the silver hair. His name is Tracy. We call him Silver Fox. Silver Fox is the facilities director, management of facilities at Mercy Academy, but he's known as coach to his students. He coaches cross country and track. He has surrounded himself and got all these people, multiple people who he, he inspires with his tough words and encouragement. He's inspired all the three men in that group. He has some th- sayings that he says, and they're hard sayings. When you're standing in the dark about to run 26 miles, he'll look at you and say, 26.2 miles is a long way. When it's cold and it's minus four degrees, you get an email from him and he'll say, weather does not dictate training. Now I'm going to get Pat to help me with this one. Pat, I, didn't, I don't want to put you on the spot. What did Tracy say to you when you finished a race and he looked at you and said, 10 pounds is what? 10 minutes. <laughs> Looks at you, 20 pounds is 20 minutes. But here's the thing about him. You know he's on your side. 
When you finish, he's there cheering for you, celebrating you, more concerned about your success than his own success, coaching and wanting the best for you. That's the kind of church we need to be. Not a shaming church, an encouraging church. We encourage one another to be our very, very best, to give our very, very best effort, to set a really high bar of excellence for our youth and for our teenagers, high morals and great living and doing great things with our lives, yet at the same time cheering. Because that's who Christ is for us. That's who Christ is, and we get to choose. We get to choose between the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. But the good news is the Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me.